0: Uh, You're welcome to the Limerick Post News Roundup uh, for the issue Saturday, April 20th. I'm your host, Andrew Carey, and you're listening to the Limerick Post Podcast, bringing you this week's news in bite-sized portions. Remember, you can keep up to date on all Limerick news on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook at Limerick Post, and the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted, and on LimerickPost.ie. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Brown Thomas, who are celebrating 20 years in Limerick. Um, I'm joined by news reporter Bernie English.
1: Hi, how are you, Andrew?
0: Um, you're very welcome, Bert. We're going to look at um, this week's this week's issue, the, the front page story, um, looks at how hundreds of people in Limerick could benefit from refunds on their mortgages. Can you tell us a bit about this?
1: Yes, this is an anomaly which has been spotted by um, a Limerick solicitor, Siobhan Fahey. And it's not just hundreds of people in Limerick who who may benefit. There are thousands of people potentially nationwide who could benefit from this. She has spotted an issue with a change in legislation from the European banks. Now, without getting too complicated about it, okay. she, she feels this is going to result in a lot of people who got mortgages between certain dates getting refunds of up to twenty five or thirty thousand.
0: And and just to clarify, this is separate than the mortgage tracker debacle that
1: totally different. And she reckons it's going to be a much bigger issue than the tracker the okay. mortgage tracker debacle. Um, because it's going to affect basically an awful lot of people who got mortgages since the turn of the, the decade.
0: And and, and and what's she actually saying? What like without getting into the legislation, but it's a piece of EU governance that will override what actually happened within the banks that wasn't applied here
1: this this of course has to be tested through the courts okay but um her argument is that there is a change in eu legislation that may not have been implemented here properly so she wants this to go to the courts and she feels that there's a very solid case for people getting refunds uh whether their whether their account is with the bank whether they're in arrears whether they've had personal insolvency even if they've gone bankrupt um, or even if their mortgage has been taken over by the vulture companies, she still feels there's a case for an awful lot of people to get very big refunds.
0: Like we saw from the, the, the tracker mortgage issue between the banks that were involved and the banks that had their reviews, people were able to, to by a redress program, get thousands of euros in refunds. This is in the same league, if not greater?
1: Oh, we think so. Bigger. Bigger even. Um sums that she's talking about are as i said in the region of 25 to thirty thousand per mortgage and it's this is just the first leg of it she's keeping it to a test number of cases um in between certain dates and in certain criteria but she feels it may well extend possibly to everybody who had a live mortgage at the time of the changeover
0: your front page story covers this in detail and the it interview indeed in which which Yvonne, there's also is there some eligibility of people who are associated with these types of mortgages
1: yes um she she actually has something on her site where people can go on on her own website, her legal firm's website where people can go and check but basically um it's it applies probably to people who obtained their mortgages between January first two thousand and december thirty first two thousand and three that the mortgages for a new build at the time of purchase and a family home owner occupier. Um, and they must still have the same mortgage or a top-up of that mortgage and didn't switch bank or building society in the meantime. So it doesn't matter if it's fixed or variable mortgage. It doesn't apply to tracker mortgages, obviously, because they already have a different kind of redress.
0: And again, you have full details of that on the front page and online this, over the weekend. Indeed,
1: this is, we're breaking this story this week, and It's going to be very, very big nationally.
0: Okay, well, we keep an eye on that. Um, Bernie, continuing with some of the stories that you've covered this week, Disabled children are suffering at the center of a hse in Tusla rao, so you 're going to tell me details of two state agencies at loggerheads leaving a set of vulnerable children vulnerable
1: yeah well, there's those who would say two state agencies at loggerheads is not news, but we have uh, more than four hundred disabled children caught in the crossfire here and what has happened is that the ombudsman for children, uh, Dr. Niall Muldoon, has tasked the HSC and Tusla to talk to each other because of a case which showed that a child in foster care didn't wasn't getting the same access to services and supports that other disabled children were, were getting. So he sent them off anyway to do a study on this and find out how many kids might possibly be lacking these, these services in foster care. So Tusla has, has come up with 471 children that they say are in foster care and in need of supports who are either mildly or severely disabled. But the row was actually between Tuscaloosa and the HSE as to what constitutes a mild or a severe disability.
0: This is extraordinary.
1: It is extraordinary, but nothing really between state agencies should ever surprise us, I suppose. But yeah. the losers out here are the children, and, and he's, he's been scathing off them and said, this is absolutely not good enough.
0: And is it fair to say that, okay, they've done a study about 471 children, but do we know what number that is in Limerick? Do we know if there's any more? Do we know, Can we quantify if there are any children who are... Slipping through the, the, the cracks in this. Well,
1: th- all of that is entirely possible. Sorry, I have to correct one thing. That 471 were originally identified. That figure is now 483. So that's a sizable number of, of of children who are not getting the services because they're in foster care and haven't been identified as being either... Uh, mildly or severely disabled and they can't seem they they can't get this definition they can't come up with a wording of this definition between them which is absolutely mind-boggling
0: and has the um, ombudsman for children sought any clarification or is he calling on the two parties to Uh,
1: well he's 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 administering an oral kick in the pants and he said um (laughs) since last year definite progress has been made particularly for the the young the young person who raised this anomaly first off but he said it's not good enough that the HSD still has not identified uh, the children in question and he's told them to go away and get their act together and do and, and get on with it.
0: So this sounds like a, a shot across the bow more than anything else but y- you know he does have the power I presume to take them to task again if they fail to address he is, this. Yes and
1: he's, he's told them he's told them that he's going to be watching them and um, he is giving them basically 12, in 12 months he says it's not good enough that there hasn't been substantial progress made not just on identifying these children but providing the services for them as it stands they can't even agree that these children are disabled
0: it's an extraordinary piece of piece of news again um, that story is in print this thursday and online uh, at limerickpost.ie and the the concluding we're into the easter weekend and something that has become very limerick is the good friday cleanup
1: Yes, yeah, the the biggest one-day clean-up anywhere in Europe, we're told. And this year, we have a staggering twenty-one thousand l- l- willing souls who are going to pull on the gloves and the high-vis jackets and get out there on the highways and byways and whatever the weather, and pick up rubbish around Limerick. Which, of course, shouldn't be thrown in the first place. 100%, but, yeah. yeah. It's, a,
0: it's, it's a great show of community spirit as we're coming oh, into fantastic, a, yeah. a, 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 nice little, a nice little season of, uh, of giving in and, and chocolate and Easter's and all sorts. Of well,
1: bits. indeed, these people will definitely have worked off enough calories to eat a few Easter eggs by the time they're finished with this lot. Because last mm-hmm. year they actually picked, picked up, um, there'll be 629 groups doing this around the country. And last year they picked up the equivalent of nearly 900 household bins.
0: Wow, that's a lot.
1: That's a lot of rubbish.
0: Bernie, as usual, thank you very much for joining us Thanks, Andrew. Uh, in this news roundup. Um, Hi, uh, I'm joined by news editor Jerry Carlson in the studio for some of the stories that caught your eye. You're very welcome, Jerry.
2: Thank you very much, Andrew. Um, you're kicking off with an alternative currency. I am um, Indeed. Yeah, we thought we might be finished with the shillings when the pounds said the goodbye to us. But uh, the shillings have been revived as part of the celebrations, the centenary celebrations for the Limerick Soviet. And um, yeah, they're back in circulation. And one of the men, in fact, the man possibly uh, behind the uh, reproduction of the shillings, Kieran uh, Nash, who's a an artist, and Kieran feels that it may be uh, a way of introducing a local currency in Limerick.
0: I, I spoke with Kieran, and, and and he showed me these shillings—one, five, and ten shillings—and basically they were reprinted from the time of the Soviet. Uh, This is what Limerick printmakers were using at the time, the workers, uh, um, when they ran out
2: of sterling. But he had
0: a unique twist about getting artists involved.
2: He did indeed, yeah. So what they did was was they actually produced um, packs of 20 shillings. Um, Now, I don't suppose it's too much of a twist for a Soviet, but these uh, 20 shillings are selling for 30 euro. And they have a value of one shilling per euro, so that means that there's a, a ten euro uh, premium there for somebody. But anyhow, you can you can exchange your you can exchange your uh, shillings uh, in a number of uh, designated sc- stores. And um, Kieran feels that it follows on the example of places like Bristol and um, Totnes, Totnes, where yeah. they actually have their own currencies. They have they have the pound. Just as as a as a, uh, as a local uh, trading currency, when well, he said that there was a historic
0: and commemorative value as, uh, assigned with the, these shillings, which which was great to see, but he also feels that there's a bit of a, a protest movement about it, about taking the control back from the lure and power of money. So, I mean, it it, it there was a, there was a lot more to. Just that, but he did also say that this could pave the way as a trial run for a local currency.
2: Yeah, as opposed, I suppose, to being just a mere reproduction of the of the notes. Um, it's something, by the way, of of an arts project. And, you know, there is a statement there behind it. Yeah, so it's on for the next two weeks. I think the vouchers
0: are available in, in certain stores. You can uh, see Sh- on Schiucht, uh website and that'll give you some more um some more detail. Um, we're staying on the history
2: train. We are indeed, yes. And you've Patrick's are sort of peeking out of some bushes. Alan Jakes was, was uh, covering a meeting of the Metropolitan District Council for us last Monday, and uh, he emerged with a priceless quote from independent councillor uh, John Loftus. Uh, who is actually a native Scotsman and um, John uh, was rather puzzled when he went about looking for a statue of Patrick Sarsfield around Limerick and uh, just happened to come across this statue by accident and uh, he had no indication that it might have been the the hero of the siege of Limerick and uh, he was left thinking, who's this guy peeking out of the bushes? Anyway, it has genesis in a in a discussion, um, a long running discussion, actually, between um, independent uh, councillor John Gilligan and uh, two phenophile councillors, Kieran O'Hanlon and Gerry uh, o Now. Ciarán O'Hanlon was looking for the area around Cathedral Place where the um, Sarsfield statue is sited. He was looking for the place to be done up and flower arrangements and lighting and a history display and all that sort of thing. However, this was was in conflict with an earlier uh, proposal from Councillor Gilligan, who was looking for the Sarsfield statue to be removed from Cathedral Place, which he felt was rather isolated, and to be moved to a more prominent position in the city centre. So the uh, proposal that the uh, existing area around Cathedral Place be uh, tidied up uh, wasn't really ringing very many bells with him, so he objected to this. And uh, as such, I think Patrick Sarsfield may be left peering out of the bushes.
0: (laughs) Full details of Alan's story in, in, in print this Thursday and online. And and the last one is probably something about the rejuvenation of the city centre and lots of different ideas about people trying to get some life back into it. But there's one about pedestrianising Catherine Street.
2: Yeah, this is coming from the same meeting of the Metropolitan uh, District Council and it's coming from Labour Party Councillor Joe Ledden. And he had put forward the uh, proposal that traffic would be banned from Catherine Street and that it would become uh, a pedestrianised area in the heart of the city. And um, he was using the example of Thomas Street, uh, where local traders had seen a footfall increase uh, since the uh, partial pedestrianisation of that area and the reduced traffic volumes. So he's saying that this is something that has been, uh, you know, trialed and adapted in a number of in a number of cities, and feels that uh, business is better without the cars. And obviously, we're speaking about that lower section that
0: is next to Thomas Street. Yeah, you wouldn't be pedestrianizing past past any of the major junctions up in the more residential area of the city.
2: No, no, and and he maintains that there's been a, an influx of new businesses in that area. And he just feels as as local councillors, they should be doing more to shape the future development of the city and make it more uh, more livable, more uh, user friendly.
0: It's true that corner on on Katchen Street and Thomas Street, you have Uber employing over five hundred people, so there's a buzz around that area. So it it may have warrant.
2: Yep, absolutely. And um, there were no serious objections to the proposal anyway at the uh, at the council meeting.
0: Okay, thanks very much, Sherry. That's great.
2: You're very welcome. And. Uh,
0: Joined by my digital editor, producer, general good guy, Keen
3: Reinhardt. You're a nice guy yourself.
0: It? Ah, it's all about the mutual admiration and the penultimate podcast. Penultimate. Um, so it's a sad week. And uh, no, look, no, no, no. Next week will be or a sad two. Week. Yeah. Yes. This is just a. This is a lols <laughs> week. Um, Keen, we're going to talk about um, we are Limerick later on. Um, but you've 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 two bits that you want to talk to about. A couple of bits happened couple last of week. Bits, yeah. yeah record day. Record day,
3: record store day 2019. Tell us, yeah, uh, myself and Breezy, my my, my, my furry companion, <laughs> your sidekick in arms. Yeah, we, we popped down to uh Steamboat Music on Saturday for record store day 2019. There was a, a nice buzz down there, a yeah. bit like Empire Records back in the movie. I, and, I'd imagine uh, yeah, so, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, it was cool to see a, a busy record store and it was 10 a.m. so. To see a record store Packed at 10 in the morning it was It was a nice sight And what was going on? Well Strolling up to the store There was a and was Buzzing of some bass You know oh, yeah. I walked in Foxjaw were just Finishing their gig And then that was Followed by rappers Hazy Haze, and Citrus With oh, Sean guys, Murray On yeah. the decks Yeah <laughs> And while I was Interviewing uh, Mark Carey The proprietor Of the store uh, Post Punk Podge Was kicking off Downstairs Ah oh, yeah but, uh, That was a Cool old day And uh Mark had this to say to me about Record Store Day 2019. Uh, so we, we try to also have a massive selection. I
0: think we've near, near 350 odd titles this year. Uh, and then we've live music from this morning up until just after lunch. Uh, it's just a great day for people to come in, and find kind of either collectors if they're coming in to get stuff, or just to come in and hear some music.
3: And Andrew, that, that full package is available on iTunes, Acast, Spotify and SoundCloud.
0: All the podcasting.
3: And there's a bit of writing up on LimerickPost.ie about it as well.
0: Ah, deadly. Um, another little event that you managed to second yourself off event. to. Another yeah. Um, mm. The Creative Film and Broadcast Showcase 19. Exactly, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. We were invited over by LIT uh, to present an award. We got to choose the winner as well for the Documentary Film Award. And the winner was uh, Miriam Gonzalez, who produced a documentary called Frank's Ashes about Frank McCourt and his life uh it was chosen because of the amount of research that went into it It right very evident and Miriam said she read the book when she was 15 years old and when she moved here went down to the Frank McCourt Museum and got to talking to someone about it one of the workers in there and from there she said "Uh, I have to make a documentary about this people need to know about it, or should know about it yeah and it was actually very interesting documentary like, a lot of people know a lot about Frank McCourt's life anyway when you're living in Nimerick. Yeah. But even the judges sitting beside me said they, they learned something new by watching it, which kind of... And, it, and it, was a, it, it was merited
0: by the fact that she had put so much research and time. Well, and well,
3: the criteria was on storytelling and the way the story was told between the amount of voices in it as well as there was a voice over there as well. You could see the amount of research that went in. It, it was really well worth the award. Uh, and where's Miriam front? Miriam is from Spain, oh, yeah. Yeah. so a Spanish student That's comes Spain. over here and to tell us about Frank McCord. To tell us more. Tell us more about Frank McCord. Yeah. Very interesting. Good. I'm not sure if you can check it out anywhere. I don't think it's been released to the public yet, but uh, hopefully someday it will, because it, it is worth it. Yeah. Uh, I'm
0: just sticking on uh, student awards. The Smedias were on and the University of Limerick. I have to get a bit of a shout out for uh, some of their Award winning it They were nom- they were nominated in 17 categories For their student newspaper
3: And there, there was a few other colleges around I think got Nominations You had LIT and LCFE
0: Yeah but, uh, um, UL picked up a Layout and Design Award um, They had a photography success uh, in, in one of the awards And I think Unfuckle got uh, An award as well Nice so one Fair yeah, play to them they, They're doing quite well out there They celebrated 10 years in
3: journalism How did uh, that go? Were, were you there?
0: Yeah, there was a there was a talk and there was a broader broadcast. Um, mm,
3: Miriam O'Callaghan, I think.
0: Miriam Callan mm. was there. Um, uh, Fergal Keen was supposed to uh, turn up, but a little bit of a war in Syria got him sidetracked the BBC uh, Africa editor. So uh, he was he was able to broadcast uh, a, a video call, a, a telephone call from London uh, as he was about to head out to. Syria but you know it's great to see the, the development that's going on especially the recognition of work done by third level students clearly from the LIT. Yeah there's a lot of talent out showcase there. Showcase awards and, and, and the university.
3: Um, okay Keen, that's great thanks very much. Thanks for having me ah, sure. as I can, always. I couldn't do mm, it without you. I'm dreading next week I don't want you to leave.
0: Okay well look we'll see. <laughs> Cheers. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Brown Thomas celebrating 20 years in Limerick we now joined by John Keogh, Sporting Limerick Journalist, for all our sports news and coverage. Hello, John. How's things, Andrew? I missed you over the last
4: couple of weeks. No, I missed you too.
0: Uh, I didn't really, because no, no, all the the we, we were doing were just slagging.
4: I, I think we, we, we had a more productive sports section of this podcast. That's fine. I have only two to go. Yeah, we know. We're, we're all looking forward to it. No, we'll get straight down to it now, John, yeah, because, you know, it. this is a professional environment. Once yeah. rugby. Yeah, big game against Saracens this weekend. Biggest of the season, according to, well, everyone. Clash of the Titans, really. Yeah, it is. It's look, it's another semi final for Munster. Um second in three years against Saracens. Look, you're playing Saracens away, they're they're a phenomenal outfit. Like it's it's gonna be a massive, massive challenge for Munster, but isn't this what's been the business end of the season the it's business all about end, Like you know, Saracens weren't weren't at the
0: races last weekend in in, in, in in England? In, no. England, in any way, shape or form. Yeah, but, but you don't read anything into that. These I are w- sleeping w- giants, right? I, w- I wouldn't
4: even be looking at that result. I'd yeah. be looking back to the quarterfinal where they put 50 points up on Glasgow at home. Uh, yeah, They're a phenomenal outfit, as I've mentioned. Look, they've English players coming out there, wazoo, like they're, yeah. you know. <laughs> What's a wazoo? <laughs> <laughs> I think you get where I'm coming from. Okay. But no, like like they're just so, so good. They're so professional. They're so... Like a metronome, they just keep coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. They're huge task for Munster, but sure, look, like, like what's Van Grand saying about? He's yeah, he's just saying the same thing. Look, these things are supposed to be enjoyed, you know. There's there's a lot of pressure, a lot of hype around the game, but the most important thing is to enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, you have every chance of winning it. But look, both Peter O'Mahony and Johan Van grand press conference there earlier this week were saying the same thing. It's up against a huge, huge Saracens team. Peter O'Mahony mentioned themselves and Leinster have dominated European rugby effectively over the last six or seven years. But Munster love being an underdog. Where can Munster kind of get one on Saracens? (laughs) That's the the big question. If they did know something, they weren't telling us (laughs) on on Monday, look. But if you
0: look at the two teams on paper, if you look at the two if you look at the way Munster have played through the season you know there has been this bit of expansive rugby and they've mm. kind of tightened up defence every so often Yeah. Um. without the leaking of tries you know is
4: that going to be enough to beat the Saracen side it's not going to be enough no Saracen's have a phenomenal defence as well Munster have the best defence in the competition they have the most tackles or the guy with the biggest tackles uh, ratio, CJ Standard they have the most tur- turnovers in Tigburn yeah, but that's not going to be, as you mentioned now, that's not going to be enough to beat Saracens. Saracens have all that and they have more. You
0: need something special. You need something
4: special. Um, Munster have no doubt improved this season. I don't think anyone could, could question that. Even the win last weekend with a Shell team going over mm. to Treviso, who'd won 10 of their last 11 home games. And Munster, albeit under a lot of pressure, 37 28 victory it was a phenomenal result there. Yeah. So they're going into a form, the team's obviously going to be changed. Look, they're missing Joey Carberry. There's no point in saying anything else, but that's a huge loss. Tyler Blade, not as a likely man to step up, but JJ Hanrahan in a, su- a sub out half. Yep, yeah, Munster need to be at their best and a little bit more to win. Who so Who it.
0: are we looking at to actually make this break? To I, I make think it into a Munster final. I I, I
4: think one guy who could become key, who could be key is Chris Farrell. I mean, Chris Farrell, as we know, he's, when he's fit, is a brilliant, brilliant player. He's an engine. He's an absolute beast. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. no. And he can get you that yards that can make the initial break through the Saracens' defense and up to the rest of your team from there. Look, Saracens have a lot of respect for Munster. They've been talking up Peter O'Mahony throughout the week, talking up Tyke Byrne. And O'Mahony has said, look, he knows the, a lot of these Saracens players from his time with the Lions, captaining the Lions. Um, he doesn't see, well, he, again, if he was telling us, doesn't see too many weaknesses in them. Their attitude is superb, he said. So, look, all the all the, all the pointers point to Saracens'. But and there's mm. always that but It's yeah. two it's eighty minutes of rugby, two teams involved. But Munster, there's no question, have to be at their best. I'm um, sticking with Munster Rugby, there's a Tam Savage writes about Witcherly and his future. Yeah, Finney and Witcherly has had an unbelievable like introduction to Munster Rugby this season. He's he can play back row, he can play a second row, and Tom's just gone through where he thinks he'll end up, he's maybe a bit too small height. 6'4", six four, six five for back row, or sorry, second row, modern second row. Like he he, um, gives Jean Klein as an example, six foot eight, hundred twenty kilos. You know, small man, small man, yeah. So I like, but but I, as we've seen in that, that little cameo against Leinster back in December, landing Johnny Sexton on his backside was. Yeah just a bit of the attitude of Fiddy Whiterley really has look he's a serious talent and everyone's excited to see what he's going to do in the future whether it's in the back row or in second row
0: it's kind of fair, fair to say we kind of touched on it maybe a couple of weeks back but you know Munster do seem to have this little bit of youthful talent just coming
4: through but these are players that are actually going to make a break and make a difference That that's what it seems to be at the moment there's been a lot of work done throughout the academies the club academies uh, uh, Munster's underage academies and, of course, schools before that. So we mentioned it, as you said a few weeks ago, with the Irish 20s. There was eight Munster players in that 23. That's a huge percentage. Mm. And it's a lot bigger percentage than, than what Munster have had in recent years. And it was successful. They won the Grand Slam. You can't do much more than that. Yeah. But there are several players there. We'll talk about an in AIL maybe in a minute as well. These guys have shown up there this season too at a very, very high level. So,
0: I suppose whatever happens on Saturday, um, you know, it's another semi-final for Munster. But... Effectively, the future does look a little bit, you know, more perspective than what we thought about before, right?
4: Yeah, well, th- that's only highlighted with Johan van Grand signing on, adding adding to his new contract, adding another two years, Joey Carberry before that, Peter O'Mahony, Connor Murray, Keaters, they've all signed on for another few years. They yes. see potential, where a year or so ago, even under Rassi Erasmus, where they got their semi-final against Saracens, he left, maybe that potential wasn't there. It mm. certainly seems to be there now.
0: Yeah. All eyes on um, Coventry for Saturday and uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, sticking with rugby, you know, last weekend was <laughs> high drama, as it were, for the AIL teams.
4: Yeah, it was Well, obviously the biggest talking point from 1A is Shannon and then being immediately relegated down to 1B. They've lost, I, don't, I think it was six or seven games in a row that have seen him finish bottom of the table. I was there, I was at Thelma Park, the back pitch in Thelma Park it on Saturday, conceding yeah. men's car con. First 20 minutes, they were brilliant. Could have, could have been they could have scored two or three tries just a couple of knock-ons close to the con line they did get one but then con kind of yeah they found next and that, year and, that, and it wasn't even a full strength can team but they did have the likes of Duncan Williams playing and Duncan yeah. Williams a much maligned Duncan Williams he was superb for con bossed everything absolutely brilliant performance and then they just they started getting through their phase and getting through their offloading game and seriously impressive Shannon had no answer and that was it was top versus bottom. That was the reality yeah. that was in front of him. It's a big shame for Shannon at a very positive um, start to the season. But after the Christmas break, it's just slow. Well, slowly, probably slowly, just every week, not confidence being knocked off them with every defeat that passed. They've lost players to injury. They haven't been able to call on. The likes of Craig Casey, a, a, a young, talented player yeah. in the Irish 20s. Um, Jake Flannery, the same. Will Leonard, their captain went off to move to New York to play rugby in America. They've had injuries. They've had everything kind of... They've had Conor a bit Fi- of a calamity. Yeah, of. Conor Fitzgerald, who's their out-half when Jay Flannery wasn't around or when they have mixed the match. Conor yeah. Fitzgerald has got a full-time contract with Connacht now. His brother Stephen Fitzgerald, who played against Young Munsters a couple of weeks ago, has also got a full-time contract after being released by Munster with Connacht as well. So... It just Knock on Knock on effect The big The big, real, the real big game Was the week before Against Munsters They needed a win there they needed it, it didn't was, happen It didn't yeah So Khan hammering Shannon Shannon the most successful Club
0: in the AIL They're gone to 1B 1B again Khan yeah. have a They have a home semi Against Dublin University Will be Gary on.
4: Yeah, I, I'll get it in. We, we, no, no, no. It's going to be mentioned <laughs> anyway. Um, we'll talk about Gary on in a second. And not, no, nothing, I, nothing negative. We will talk about him. Yeah, now. No, Gary they, on. Yeah, they lost well, five of their last six. Yeah, and that's where it was. Up to that point, they were searched for top four. Yeah, but again, a couple of injuries. The last, the last time, Ben Healy, who was having an unbelievable season out half, and, yeah. it, and really, it really hurt them because early on the season, Ben Healy was showing up last minute kicks to win games. This is it. And you see the, his quality. He was over at Munster A in the last couple of weeks and didn't play. Obviously, the last couple of games for Gary Owen as well. He was over in America with the travelling Munster A team. Um, a disappointing season for Gary Owen. I mean, they, they do expect to be in that top four. Um, still have the Bateman Cup. He still have the Bateman Cup final on Saturday, which is live on TV as well. Yeah, so look, you know. No, 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 no. The City of Armagh is going to be a, a, a decent game. It's one Gary Owen will expect to win up
0: against the lower it app. should be a, it should be a good exhibition of club rugby no matter what you'd hope it's yeah. one of
4: two games that's on club rugby so at the RTA. business
0: end Clontarf
4: yeah Clontarf Lansdowne yeah and as you mentioned Conn and Dublin University and Dublin uh,
0: a note about other Limerick clubs well your um,
4: Munster avoided relegation as well get that quickly in there despite
0: losing to the they lost to and
4: up in, up in Dublin but yeah, they were, they were saved yeah, there were, and I think it was U, was at UCC finished second bottom, yeah. so they're in relegation. They're playoff. in that little relegation. Uh, in two, two A Bowes and Crescent, two A Bowes and Crescent mid table finishes. Crescent will be delighted with that. Uh, tricky they, enough. Take him up from first couple months. They came up from two B yeah. and waltzed to two B um, last season. Yeah, Crescent will be happy with that. Bowes will probably be okay with it too. I know they came down from one B last season, but. It's very tough to regroup straight away yep. and, and, and get that. So they're fine in 2C. Bruffer in promotion. They're going to be in a promotion playoff. Against, and sadly, Mid- against Middleton. Against Middleton, yeah. And they beat yeah. Middleton last week as well. So
0: And, and, and I know what you're going to say, sadly.
4: Sadly, yeah. Tolman, after what, 19, 19 years. years, drop out of uh, All-Ireland League rugby. It's a big shame. It, it, it's priceless in one sense that Tolman needed, they reckon they needed two wins from their last two to be okay they got one they got nine points from a possible ten in their last yeah. two games and still finished up in tenth in tenth place to beat Point, who the team immediately above them in their last game yeah it's just a shame yeah, yeah. for them um, it, it, it's it's a long road back out of Junior Monster Junior, Junior um, rugby we'll see next season how that goes from they'll probably lose players it's just the nature of the beast that there's a big turnaround in players every season and every yeah. off season so yeah big shame for Thalmond
0: yeah, look, uh, you, you'd like to think that they can come back. I mean, it's a club steeped in history. Mm-hmm. You know, it's from the heart of the city. So let's let's hope that they can they can dig back out of that um, that junior that junior yeah.
4: spot. It may be a bigger reflection on club rugby as well. That you see Shannon coming back down in Limerick City now. Numbers are dwindling on underage. A lot of clubs amalgamating at underage level too. So maybe this is the fruit of that. Well, you also
0: have you also have the impact of schools on the schools rugby on school by. Mm teenage teams going through the clubs i see that and gary anyone will tell you that it's about that continuity being able to to keep that going so that you're supporting your senior teams you know i don't know how that changes i don't think anybody knows how no, that no, changes it's but look. yeah, yeah. It's, it's
4: it's very very tricky to keep underage going and you need that underage in every sport really you mm. need that underage to facilitate your senior teams and
0: especially at those teenage years
4: yeah. when you're farming you know
0: you're farming teams you're farming bands you know let's hope that they can somebody can come up with a, yeah. a, a great recipe okay we leave the rugby we're going over to hurling napier chic
4: yeah with the first round of the bond secures limerick senior hurling championship uh, last weekend wins for napier chic um kill and Patrickswell well in group one which is the Senior um yeah, and have won the competition for the last two years. 420 to 10 points victory over South Liberties. Very, very impressive. Down a number of players from last year through injury in the Piercy as well. Um, yeah, I, there, there isn't too much you can say. Goals from David Dempsey, Kevin Downs, Peter Casey and Conor Boylan. And they were just... They looked slick. They were very slick. New manager, Michal Ryan, taking over this year. Former Tipperary manager. They were very, very impressive. Very difficult conditions in Munger. Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. I was there as well. Yeah, just running a different Kettlefish. this weekend. We'll get on to that. Uh, Kilmallock beat there on Saturday <coughs> Another awful conditions in Brough. um Kilmallock, yeah, will be happy to get the win. Big game of the weekend, though, was Patrick's well and Dune. It was a game that was televised on TG Cahar. Um A fiery game for anyone that saw it. <laughs> a fiery it. game. There was two, two red cards for Dune. Anyone that's watching the game. I watched it back, having been out in the Pearshriggs game. Could have been more. Oh, um, yeah, it was. It was that type of game, and we leave that there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but more importantly, result wise, it was Patrick's Well that came out on top, and that reversed the county semi-final victory for Dune against the Well last year. Great start for the Well um, under Kieran Carey this year. He's gone back and taken over the manager's job there. Dune will be a little bit disappointed with that. They were hoping to build on last year. It's a big defeat, first time out makes their game this weekend with um Kilmallock a must win. Kilmallock already have one. But the game of the weekend is Napirchik against Patrick Swell in yep. Kilmallock on Sunday. That's that has all all the potential to be a cracker, you know. It's famous teams they've been battling the last few years along with Kilmallock. Kieran Carey is in charge of Patrick Swell. He brings another dimension to things. He said after the game on TG Garrett we're, we'll be playing the Piercy at the, be- at the right time Sunday the second game of the year taking them out of their comfort zone at the Gaelic grounds just laying all these little yeah, 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 little yeah, yeah. things out and it will be on in Kilmallock. like the Piercy could played in Kilmallock plenty of times there isn't any fear of that but just a little gamesmanship little bit of gamesmanship yeah uh, in group 2 then you had Belly Brown who were relegated from group 1 last year they beat they beat Nakey Ahan lost to Mona Lien, and there was a draw between Maru Boher and and Gareth Bland, who came up from Premier Intermediate that's that super blues super blues yeah drew one drew nil all one all sorry one all Wexford FC last week Keen Reinhardt was there taking photos beautiful snaps beautiful pics there of the beautiful markets field yeah a little bit of a disappointment not to win that game Wexford bottom of the league um, but Tammy Barrett says and rightly so look we've done well the last few weeks we're not going to win every game it's a very tight league they're up away to Shelburne this weekend, this Friday.
0: Crowds weren't awesome, I don't think. Was it about three or four hundred? Yeah,
4: poor enough again now. Friday night, I I don't see why the crowds weren't there. Limerick had won their f- four games and a bounce up to that. Yeah, we need the, to the try and get that support back. back. Yeah, look, what can you do? I mean, I, I it's very easy me talk. Like I'm only there watching the game like everyone else. What do you do to bring the crowd in? You win four games under a should be a, a builder for any crowd. Limerick were getting. Two and a half thousand on the run in the Premier a couple of weeks or for back in 2015 when they lost 20 games to start the season. Yep. So I, I don't know how you get the crowd back. Get out and support Super Blues, lads. Exactly. They're away to the shells anyway Friday. Tough game. Shell's two points behind them.
0: John Keogh, as ever, you provide a wealth of knowledge, experience and talent uh, to the airwaves. We love it.
4: I'm, I'm going to stay quiet here. There's something coming.
0: <laughs> There's absolutely none. This is this is our penultimate time together on It's a sad podcast. day. It's a sad day. I, I don't know. Next, next week, next week will be, week like, be sad. We'll do a
4: review week. show next week and just we'll do a the best a review fits. show. Uh,
0: listen, uh, thanks, John, um, <laughs> for our sports news. It's brought to you in conjunction with Sporting Limerick, where more sports news can be found beyond the paper over at LimerickPost.ie. And again, this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Brown Thomas celebrating twenty years in Limerick. Thanks, John. Thanks, Andrew. Moving over to the electrifying world of entertainments. um, Hi, Andy. Eric Fitz. How are you doing? I'm okay. Do you remember me? Just about. We haven't seen you in a few weeks, actually. Yeah, I
5: know. How are rehearsals going? Rehearsals
0: are great. The lamp is... um, painted and rubbed and
5: ready to go I'm sure, I'm sure it has I'm sure it has <laughs> and I have <laughs> all the lines ready and you've been working hard at it you know it's very early to be rehearsing for a panto, but uh, I know but I mean you,
0: yeah. you 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 let the cat out of the bag two weeks ago so Kate
5: yeah. well, uh, C- and myself have to apologise because we didn't never rated you as a singer so <laughs> <laughs> we're absolutely delighted that you've been taken on full time ah, there gee.
6: yeah
0: <laughs> I, you know this is going to be a, a this is going to be a sad day the last one
5: of these to <laughs> <laughs> count down the hours huh? Um,
0: definitely and a of course we are podcasting as usual on a Wednesday because the paper is just about done. There's a small bit of giddiness in the room.
5: We're all going home.
0: We're all going home. Um Eric, what delights
5: have you? Pow pig headliner for the quadruple H side? The quadruple A e side. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's uh yeah, pow Paul pig and junior brother together and uh, two tracks each uh, out on a limb records and um, strange brew records from galway so we chatted about this before we gave you a little hint of it there a few weeks ago when we, when we got our hands on the first couple of tracks um, but now the, the, the date has finally come around and they uh, both bands are playing uh, this friday in Dolans in casbah so i got to chat with steve ryan steve ryan of the windings, give a man a kick and he's the man behind the Out and a Limb label. So they've been been going for about 20 years or so and things have gone a little bit quiet on their output but um, they always great for cutting-edge music you know, mm. bands like rest and the early days of give man a cake and you know they, they put out great records over the years but uh the good news is that they're still up and running and uh, the four boys are still uh kieran ryan and, and uh, richard burke and steve ryan and mike gavin has come on board now as well so out in the limb is in safe hands going forward so uh they decided to work with the googie and galway who's um who, who obviously is a great supporter of Limerick music anyway, being originally from Limerick himself. Yep. Uh, and he brings a lot of the uh, Limerick bands up to the Roisin Dove. So the both, both labels got together for this uh, quadruple A-side, if you will, on cassette, Andy. Do you own a cassette player?
0: I do, and I remember being able to spin the cassette, rewind it back with a pencil.
5: Out. This was it But I mean I, I, Can you imagine a millennial now Trying to figure out What exactly you mean Working things out with a pencil Like when you have a cassette That doesn't work properly
0: I showed a cassette To a millennial before And
5: well, they weren't really sure What it was Were they even able to open the box No That's what I would wonder. Oh no I took it out of the box Because I uh, felt That <laughs> was going to be an issue That was going to take too long It was
0: a prodigy <laughs> album Ah oh, brilliant Brilliant it was one of the last
5: But, uh, yeah, so I I was asking him, like, I mean, the the, the girls uh, in in their own cheeky way are saying that vinyl is dead, you know, and I said, look, we're we're just after Record Store Day, we're after spending a load of money on records. Cian was able to testament to that, I mean, he he was waxing lyrically about it. He was down there last Saturday and I think he was taking pictures, I think he had some video stuff up online, yeah. (laughs) Podcasting. Yeah, there's a podcast out there on that one as well. So, but it, so the story is, Steve. Anyway, I, I asked him about this and cornered him, and I said it's vinyl dead, actually, like what the girls are saying. But he said no, it's this releasing a cassette, especially a single, you know, with just four tracks in it. It's just financially very viable way to do things. So you, there's only uh, there's no manufacturing in Ireland at the moment for cassettes, so they had to bring it to the UK to get the job done. But it's cheaper. To produce a a, a short run of, um, uh, like an EP like this, to do a short run of it. And it's cheaper than doing it on CDs even. And it's much cheaper than doing it on vinyl. So that's why they've got into this game. And that's, so it's still a tangible thing. You know, you'll walk away from the gig on Friday and you actually have something in your hand that you bought. Maybe you'll... N- won't have anywhere to play it unless you buy a cassette player. <laughs> <laughs> That's only a small it. problem. That's a small problem. Gone but are the days yeah. of the Sony Walkman, right? Well, yeah, well, the last time we had a cassette in here, I know we put it in our machine here and it's still in it because it wouldn't come back out again. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with <laughs> it. But, uh, so, you know, but yeah, you're going to see a great gig on Friday and uh, you'll get a cassette and you'll get a download code so you can download the thing anyway. So you oh, have right, it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Steve assured me that there is actual music on the cassettes. There's something on it. We, we can. And prove it otherwise, you know? we, well, we prove uh, And, and so. in other, other good news, uh, his own band Windings are uh, back recording and they are on a promise to have something out later in the year, which is great. Deadly Prima Volta gig, Prima Volta that is uh, an interesting one. Uh, that is our man, uh, Peter Curtin. Peter Curtin DJs on uh, 2XM and Lyric FM, and Peter is a bit of a legend, a great record collector. Around. Um, he's he's Brilliant for the town, and he's always supporting uh Limerick music on the national airwaves and um yeah he, he he's he's fantastic playing hip hop and jazz and so he has been behind this compilation that has come out that has brought together a load of kind of hidden kind of lost tracks from the seventies their late sixties by a lot of musicians that like kind of psychedelic rock like Granny's Intentions are on it They're from Limerick. And, but there's a whole bunch of stuff on it and it's, it's basically a lot of rare jazz and fusion and folk music. Um, I suppose the, the point he made to me when he was talking about it was that maybe, you know, early, late 60s, early 70s, there wasn't a lot of immigration into Ireland, so mm. the influences from other countries like that might have been going on in London and in San Francisco and New York, we didn't have that in Ireland, so a lot of the musicians that they had to take their influences probably from the records they bought from other people that were influenced so it kind of uh, that kind of original take on music that you hear on this particular album didn't really come about I mean it came about slowly and it, it was very underground but he he managed to pull about. 10 tracks, uh, and they're extraordinary tracks. Uh, The Plattermans, African, Wawa. It's a fantastic record, you know? So, um, and it just shows all the disparate influences they have. Uh, So it's kind of jazz, hip, uh, hypnotic swing jazz from Noel Keenan, and um, yeah, there's some great music on it. And it's just out on uh, All City Records, and you can find it on Bandcamp. So that's the album that is just released, loads of stuff, um, you rediscover from the se- early 70s, basically. And he's also doing a gig. And the gig is on this Sunday, April 21st, and that's in the record room. So he's there together with. I'll just have a look and see. Who's <laughs> it. Speculative function is yeah. The rapper from Cork is with him, and five to two. Uh, that's a band from Dublin. They're a trio, jazz trio. So those those guys are with him on Sunday. So there's another gig to check out in the record room downstairs from the commercial. Excellent. Um, You've a little bit of news on a fundraiser for Novas. I certainly do. <laughs> do you remember the Great Friday Festival? All those years ago, three or four this years ago, is, yeah. there was that. Do you remember the days when Good Friday meant you couldn't go out, couldn't go yes. anywhere, no bars open? So this thing called the Great Friday Festival was happening around Limerick. It just happened in a field, just uh, maybe ten miles, fifteen yes. miles outside Limerick, where sh- they put it together. A short bus journey. A short bus journey. Yeah, yeah. Byob. So the the, the yeah the guys in uh, Pharmacia and uh, promoters Electric Underground are kind of celebrating all that by putting on uh, a fundraiser for Novus. And it's on a, obviously, Good Friday, and um, it's on in Pharmacia, and there is a nice lineup there, like Same Difference, Kevin Blake, Rome, Conductress, Chris Moore, there's a nice, nice party vibes going there, and it's all introduced by Ray Wingnut, who is a bit of a legend, he has his own show on Spin South West on a Sunday morning, Os playing, playing playing alternative knows. music. Um, a little festival news that the kids are all right, yeah, um, the issue with going to the electric picnic is that the tickets sell out in a nanosecond, and the mm-hmm. first ones normally to go are the camping and the family tickets so um, I think it 's pretty ingenious um, that they have now cre- Melvin Ben just announced that they 're about two weeks ago that they 're creating this festival that is very much geared towards families and the, uh, it's it's actually called Kaleidoscope, and it's three days of entertainment similar to the picnic. Uh, there's a very strong lineup in it. Um, you also have Bell one Tom O'Dell, Wild Youth, the Riptide Movement, King Kong Company. So it's basically almost another electric picnic. But there's a lot more emphasis on things to do with the kids. And there'll be areas for the kids to play. There's a circus there, cinema, spoken word, a baby disco, whatever that is. And uh, <laughs> there's car camping. Now, this is the most important part of it. You've been to picnic, yeah? Yeah, car yeah? camping. Now no. So what they're doing this time around is you, what you do in picnic is you park your car about 400 miles away from the venue. Then you put three bags in your back and all the beer you can carry all the way into the festival. So <laughs> this is the shittiest thing about a festival. basically. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys have come up with the idea of car camping. It's a little bit more organized, less numbers at it. So I think what you do is you drive in, you're given your parking space and your tent where you put your tent is just metres away from where that is so from your it's organised and hopefully there'll be more sensible kind of people at this kind of festival so <laughs> no, nobody'll be driving over tents or anything like that in the, in the middle of the night so. and everyone
0: is heading to Rusper house in blessington when is it on
5: blessington house in blessington yeah i think it's on at the uh, june 28 and 30 just as the kids are getting off school excellent the very day just pack them into the back of the car into the boot and head off And, uh, oh, yeah, tickets, uh, there was some family uh, uh, tickets were at a very reduced rate for a very short while and uh, they sold out rather quickly the The, the first batch of ticks were, were about like uh, about 170 or something for an entire family oh wow and, uh, but now it's gone up to it's about three about 300 or so for a whole family but they yeah. sold out in 60 seconds well there you so go so it's, it's going to be a winner anyway It's going to, to be, the they are alive and well it's here to stay yeah and and the last of it there just to tell you about it is uh, Fresh and Replay are uh, two, two of our favourite DJs uh, Replay being Sean Murray uh, of the Prescription Crew who's in here chatting with us with Hazy Hayes, they're doing a weekly uh, DJ set in the Wickham Tap on Thursdays from now on Playing a wild genre of tunes that you can drink beer and play board games to, when you're listening to it um, With guest DJs coming in So that's a whole bunch of the stuff we've been talking about this week And there's a ton of listings And I'm going to ask you, it's Easter weekend, what have we got? What's um, catching your eye? I think maybe uh, Brian Dee on Friday, I think is going to be a great show you know, he's got a brand new EP out. He's got a brand new song called Little Bit of Sin. Uh he recorded the album or this EP I should say. Over four days while he was out in Spain, he actually composed a lot of the stuff and finished off the songs while he was there. So he did it all within four days really quickly. And uh, he's an unbelievable show anyway. So he's playing in uh, Dolan's Warehouse on Friday, April 19. I think that might be uh, that might be the one to to watch out for. Um, And, you know, actually, there's a very good uh, cover band, Mac Fleetwood. They're obviously covering Fleetwood Macbill songs, and uh, they are actually damn good at it. So that's on Saturday. And um, I don't know. What do we see? What else is there? Now, I know that um, the Bread Not Profits, that's sold out again in minutes. So, yeah, you're out of luck on that one. Um, You also have the Siege of Limerick. C.J. Limerick is uh, a metal festival all day Sunday. We know about your fascination with metal, Andy. Yes, so know, this yeah. might be something that you want to check I out. Be there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'll hear any poison or uh, no. of their hits, but you know. You'll get into it. You know, it's a great night. I'll be fine. It'll like, be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. You know, so um, yeah, and I think that's it. Oh, yeah. And uh, following this thurs, uh, Thursday week, the 25th, there is a Cranberries album launch party happening in Dolan's, run by the boys in Steamboat Music. And that'll be a list for your first chance to hear the whole album, and there'll be a panel discussion about
0: it. Uh, Eric, uh, as usual, it has been electrifying. Um, Thank you.
5: Engaging. Thank you for listening. Thank you for
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thanks for bringing us all the entertainment news and yeah. of course this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Brown Thomas, who are 20 years in Limerick.
6: We're coming up in the world, Andy, that's fantastic.
0: Thank you. Uh, Rose Rush is back in the studio, well I'm back in the studio with Rose Rush.
6: Andrew, I'm back myself, I had reason to miss last week.
0: Um, you've got some arts news for us this week, uh, Country Girl. We're going to talk to yeah, us about that
6: we have big 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 shows to roll out this week for you we'll begin with the Abbey Theatre uh, they're back in town with the National Tour we're seeing more of them in, in recent years and again what the Abbey has done in under the relatively recent directorship of Neil Murray and Graham McLaren McLaren uh, directs this unit the country girl uh, there's a lot of looking to nostalgic stories and content, Re, the real Ireland and outlying pastures. Um, what is the real Ireland? Yes, thank you for that challenge. Because who's to say that somebody who lives in Fíghal or Fíghal? has more integrity or authenticity than a City Joe or Josephine. Mm. Thank you very much for that. I I was speaking with an idea of quote marks around that yeah. because I have my own ambivalence around this. Previous vehicles for Jimmy's Hole, I enjoyed enormously. Uh, the Plough and the Stars, they did it two years after they had done uh, a contemporaneous version like of its time then. Yeah. And then they, they, they did um, something way out with the last uh, Tour that Travelled. And this time around, um, in this particular tour, it's Edna O'Brien's The Country Girls, which caused a huge brouhaha back in the day. And such was the antagonism towards Edna O'Brien that she found it easier to consolidate her writing life in London, where I believe she was destined for anyway, and had an interesting, interesting life there in a very prolific writer. Uh, life as a writer and is still still knocking it out of the park in her very late years in life um, we have Grace Callender an interview with Grace who plays the, the lead, much of the storyline it's a big cast, 11 or 12 much of the storyline is set on the to and fro between Kate and Baba and Grace Callender has told me that these two characters are perceived to be two facets of O'Brien's personality, one is the intellectual, dreamy Home-loving but ambitious writer who has right. to push away, much as she loves home. And Baba then is the vivacious, bubbly, lovable girl.
0: And is this that's the link of the story with real Ireland and having to move around? And thank
6: you again, Andrew, for the challenge. Not really. No, it's set in the 1950s. Uh, it's a coming-of-age story awakening sexuality uh, as a woman, finding your meteor as a profession that was not predictable or to be sustained by anything much, who wants the income of a novelist. Uh, she went after it and she she made it great on the international stage. So it's a tender look back on that time and also an insight into uh, her own family unit is injured with early death. It's injured by alcoholism other losses so it's very much a girl struggling and to come out into uh an immigrant's world and make it as a writer
0: and that's in the lime tree
6: that's in the lime tree theater and it's coming on tuesday april 30th into saturday may the 4th and i wanted to, to be off about a matinee saturday may 4th at 2 30 p.m as well
0: um eric was just into us and he had a quick hat tip to bread not profits the fact that it was sold out you've got a little piece about it as well
6: i will and so was keen everybody's jumped on this and its interest has been massive uh, you can scan for his podcast that's going to unfold more jewels that were not in my own story um i want to pay my great respect to mike finn the writer who had absolutely devastating news in his own life six weeks prior to Opening night preview was last night. Preview was Tuesday. Opening night is tonight, uh, Wednesday. And he has continued to soldier into this, him um, to the Limerick Soviet a centenary later. I'm not going to say any more about it.
0: Yeah, Keen, you have a We Are Limerick podcast with.
3: Yeah, I had Mike in to chat for the We Are Limerick podcast. And uh, it, it was fairly interesting chat about why he chose to cover Limerick Soviet in Bread Not Profits. And also the writing process over the last four years. But uh, the show is on in Cleves Factory, which I think is important to say, Rose, is Yes, indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we haven't been to see the show yet, but I'd imagine I've been there to take photos on site. And you can see why it has to be an on site play, you know. But uh, Mike had a very interesting thing to say about uh, Limerick being a People's Republic. And uh, here's what he had to say to me during the podcast
4: fell upon a phrase that i'm rather proud of i I, I was outlining the dynamic soviet and what it actually involved you know involving the workers taking over the city running it as a workers council having their own police force running um, transportation food distribution printing their own newspaper and critically um issuing their own currency
6: issuing their own currency it's like um the People's Republic of Cork is a T-shirt. The People's Republic of Limerick is a fact. Okay, and I love the fact that you chose to concentrate on content because I was fascinated about this being within this Riverside campus, as it's now known today. The last time I'd walked through there, it was for Ava. Art and installations in different spaces. I know how vast it is. I know how cold it is. I know how bare it is. And Mike, yeah, he gives it to us about how very, very rigorous it was to set up individual theatre spaces. And yet what it does is convey to us the sprawl of Limerick, mm. the 50,000 workers who went on strike and all the challenges a writer and theatre makers with his uh, director, Terry Donovan and with Guna Nua's Paul Mead, another Limerick man, how they got together to tell the artist's story. He has a very nice line in it. He says, it's the historian's work to tell us how it was. It is the artist's job to tell us how it feels.
0: Yeah, it's great, and I was just when I was talking with Jerry earlier on in the in the podcast, uh, speaking with Kieran Nash, who has uh, his own art project running at the moment, which is the Soviet shilling. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, and they've printed the shillings that they were used around the time.
6: Coupon sterling coupons. Well, they've called
0: them the shillings, but it was the fact that they ran out of sterling, so they had to print mm-hmm. some form of exchange currency, and that's actually now in in circulation for the next two weeks. So. You can really see that there's a, there's a broad brush of the Limerick Soviet across all of our news stories uh, th- th- this week. Um, anything else for me, Rose, from the arts?
6: Yeah, I'm going to look at uh, a lovely thing that happened in the community. Uh, Frank Boucher, he is a Limerick-based architect and art teacher, maker of art. He leads an art class in his own uh, studio called Cattery's Castle. His adult community of students and his uh, children, I can't call them childish, his community of children, uh, uh, his students for children, got together at least a score of them to create art purposely to sell, to raise money for Motor Neuron Disease Association because a loved member of theirs, Lillian Carroll, her, um, her husband, Paul, God rest him, he died last year of motor neuron disease. We don't know a great deal about it. The association is entirely reliant on donations. Uh, they got more than 400 together on the opening night alone because Lily and Carl painted a fantastic piece of work. I have a picture of it on the page this week and that was sold at auction for 400 euro. So uh, that show is now just closed. They came in to tell me about it. There will be another opportunity to support them in November in DeWitt Doyle. And Frank tipped me off about another really interesting exercise unique to Limerick. The Law Society of Ireland got in touch with them because Frank used to work with the Guard the Squad in Dublin Castle, profiling criminals, profiling parties of interest, building their faces, building sketches of, of crime scenes, that sort of thing. In all of Ireland, the Law Society hopped on Frank Boucher in Limerick to lead the sketching of a mock trial in Limerick's new courthouse that will be chaired by District Court Tam um, O'Donnell. Uh, not chaired. What's what the expression, Andrew? Adjudicated on. but he Presided over. Adjudicated presided on. Yeah. Presided, yeah, but he's yeah, circuit back. court judge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Circuit court judge. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he went up in the world some yeah. years back. I do know that. I know Tom. And whatever the state of the trial or what's going to right you know, whoever the character actors are, Frank will lead the sketching of these, again, quote marks, interesting parties. And a class of transition year students from various schools interested in law. They will sketch with them and then he presents the, the the winner with a prize or whatever. So that's an exercise unique to Limerick taking place in Limerick's new court on Mulgrave Street. Um, it took place this morning, actually, this Wednesday. So there you go.
0: And Rose, just before to wrap up, you've uh, uh, there's a little hat tip to John Gilhoolie OBE.
6: Oh, my God. This man, his shoulders are weighed down with gardens of praise. The latest is, listen to this for good crap, the Worshipful Company of Musicians, a 500-year-old livery company in the City of London. They've presented him with top honors. He's now their freeman. And over in Heidelberg, they had an Heidelberg Spring Festival. They give an annual music prize to an exceptional figure in the music sector. And again, that's Limerick, or specifically listener Gray's own John Gilhooley, already an OBE. He said of Wigmore Hall, which I used to live beside in London when I lived in a tenement basement in Tavistock Street. My place of worship and community was Wigmore Hall on Sunday morning, where there will be this extraordinary service that is sung and then people come together and you eat tea and biscuits afterwards and you you like each other It was really lovely kept me going during my years in London and John's now head up of that very prestigious venue and he's a significant figure throughout the music world he's also the slimerick man people he's also chairman of the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra Um, we're doing well
0: yeah full details of of all of those stories and more um, in print this Thursday uh, on Rose's Arts page and online throughout the weekend um Thank you very much, Rose. It's been a pleasure.
6: And Andrew, thank you for helping me with my diction and vocabulary. I, I value it greatly.
0: So this has been the Limerick Post News Roundup. I've been your host, Andrew Carey, and I'd like to thank uh, Rose Rush, who's still seated with us in the studio. Um, digital editor, producer, an all-around good guy, Kean Reinhardt. Uh, <laughs> news reporter, um, Bernie English, news editor, Jerry Collison, John Keogh from Sporting Limerick, Eric Fitz, who brings us all our electrifying INS news, Um, and our sponsors of this week's podcast, because it's brought to you in association with Brown Thomas, who are celebrating 20 years in Limerick. For more news, sport, entertainment, home and living, pet news, motoring, healthy living, and much, much more, make sure you turn to the Limerick Post every Thursday in print and online at limerickpost.ie and through all our social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted.